0: Every January, most people say to themselves in one way or another, this year is going to be different. This year is going to be better. The word January comes to us from the name of the Roman god Janus, the god of gates, doors, beginnings and endings. From the word Janus, we also get our word Janitor, who is the uh, keeper of rooms and passageways. A picture of Janus, the Roman god, is a head with two faces. One face looks back. The other face looks forward. Hence, the first month of the year is called January. During this month, we have a tendency to look backward to how things have been. We may look back with relief that it's over. Or we may look back with regret to things we allowed to take place in our lives. Every year, we privately go through this introspection. Every January, we say to ourselves, "This, this is a time of new, a new beginning." Starting over again. Though January is a time when we review the past, it's also a time to anticipate the future with hope and with dreams and with plans. But what the new year brings us will depend to a large degree on what we bring to the new year. Unless we are deliberate, The new year could be just a reboot of the same old thing. As much as we hate to admit it, most of the leaves that we turned over on January 1 have already started to fall. The first thing you learn when you make a resolution is that change isn't as simple as acknowledging the need for change. So how do you want 2020 to be different, to be better, and how can you make that difference happen? Well, there are many places we can go to improve our lives. We go this way and that to improve our finances or, or our health. But here today, we're to think about the spiritual aspect of our lives. And we know where to turn for help with that. Today we turn to God and his word. What does he have to say to us today at the beginning of the year as we're going through a new, a new door, a new gate, a new beginning? John 10, 9 and 10, where we were for our scripture reading, if we were to hear it again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The abundant life. Now, that's what we want, isn't it, for the new year? That's what we're looking forward to. We want a greater abundance. To the Romans, Janus was the God of doors, but to us, Jesus is the door. He is the door into the new year. Now, the context of our passage in John 10 is all about sheep and shepherds. It's about pastures and sheepfolds. In the days of Christ, shepherds would take the sheep far away from the villages, and they would be gone for days at a time. They would be gone for weeks at a time. At night, they would enclose the sheep in folds that were built on the hillside. And those folds were simply walls that enclosed a space with a tiny entrance. Once the shepherd had put his sheep in the fold for the night, he himself would lay down at the door. He would lay down across that opening. So in a sense, the shepherd was the door. It was that kind of sheepfold that Jesus was talking about when he he referred to himself as the door. With that kind of image, the the message is really disarmingly simple. The purpose of a door is either to shut something behind us or to open something to us. And that's where we are today at the beginning of this year. We look back and we're just closing the door behind us. But we're also opening to what is in front of us. Now the Bible says Jesus is the door to something. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So in the new year, we certainly want to be sure of our salvation. Through Christ, the door is shut to the old life of sin and guilt, pain and loss. I don't know of a more desperate need on the part of so many people today than the need to know that their sins are forgiven, that their guilt can be done away with and that they are forgiven, that they are accepted and and that the door to the past can be shut permanently. What door in your life would you like Jesus to shut? Never more to open. We all carry those spaces in our lives. It's like those closets and drawers at home that are so messy we just prefer to keep them closed. In fact, there may be whole rooms where guests will never see because you keep the door shut. And why is that? Because they're such a mess. Some people may feel that they have a whole life like that. Oh, if they could just shut the door if they could just shut that behind them, they need a door that will shut the past away. You know what? Jesus says, I am that door. I am that door. In December, I had both dental care and eye care. In each case, the doctor took me through a door Into a small room with special equipment. In each case, the doctor listened as I prescribed or described my problems. He prescribed, I described. Described my problems, and I I expressed my desire for a remedy. Well, I was treated kindly and gently and skillfully. They knew what I needed, and they knew how to fix it. I had entered the door of an office seeking help. And as a result, my life was greatly improved. Something good has happened to me. You know, now I can see much better. I didn't realize I was living such an unfocused life. I didn't realize that things were so blurry for me. Now I'm amazed at how well I can see. And I can also chew better, too, because I got that worked on as well. So this has made my life more abundant, for sure. What is our special need at the beginning of 2020? Is there a door for people like us who need help, who need improvement, who need repair. Listen to Jesus as he speaks in the Gospel of Luke. Those who are healthy do not need a doctor, but those who are sick. I did not come to invite the virtuous, but to call sinners to repentance. And listen to Paul as he speaks to Timothy. This is a saying sure and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then again in John 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And then just a couple lines later, he says almost the same thing in different words. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. To go into pasture, to have life more abundantly, that's what we want in this new year. It's one thing to close the door on what's behind us, but a a door also opens to something before us. What could it be? Well, for the rest of our time this morning, I'd like to share what I think makes the Christian life more abundant. A description of what is this pasture Jesus has in mind for us What is more abundant about the life to which Jesus is the door? I'm going to suggest five aspects. And that will fill our time. Life is a matter of degrees. Some have life in their soul, but it flickers like a dying candle. It's just barely there an increase of life may be seen in several ways. First of all, we experience it in healing. In healing. A man lies sick on his bed in the hospital. He's alive, but he can hardly move a muscle. And he's helplessly dependent upon all those around him. His life is in him, but how little is its power. But then the man recovers. He rises from his bed and he takes his place out in the community. He's active out there. In fact, he is so well, he can even volunteer at the center. He can do that heavy lifting and he can be out there helping. He has recovered so well. It is evident that he has life way more abundantly than he had when he was ill. He has strength. He can move about. He can participate meaningfully in the life of the community. Healing. Healing gives us an abundance we didn't have before. Even so, Jesus can do that for the soul, can't He? He is the door. He came to give us life, but not life that's just a little flicker, just barely glowing. No, He came to give us a life that is abundant. It's miserable for a person to be a sickly Christian whose spiritual constitution is weak. But when Jesus comes, doesn't He energize our faith? Doesn't He encourage in us hope? Doesn't He impart to us spiritual health? He not only has life, but He has it in abundance for us. The Lord is the physician of our souls. Psalm 103 says... He heals all our diseases. He's not talking about our physical diseases. He's talking about our spiritual disease. He addresses our selfishness. He deals with our hatreds and our envies, our pride, and all of our evil propensities. But even if we possess a measure of health, we still long to be more healthy and strong. We all need his healing touch. Maybe there is something in your life that you'd like him to touch. Some aspect of your life that needs healing today. Some area of you that is, that is weak and you wish it could be strong. What is it? What could it be? Where can it be found? only from the one who says, I am the door. Now the abundant life is not only experienced in healing, but also in growth. In growth. There's a little child in perfect health, yet it cannot walk, cannot run all by itself. You set it down on the floor. It it totters a little way. It is ready to fall. But when the boy becomes a man, he will have a quality of life which is so much more abundant than when he was a baby. Still further, as an adult, he he will have a life work. He will have a career. He will have education. He will have more wisdom. He will have talents and and skills, both natural and trained, put to use, making life fulfilling. And he will likely have, have have a wife. And he will have family relationships, children and grandchildren who will add love to his existence. When we were children... We couldn't. We, we couldn't wait till we grew up, could we? We wanted to grow up. What did you want to be when you grew up? Are you that now? Are you there? None of us know what we may be when we are, but in our infancy. Look at what the apostles became. Before Pentecost, they were mere elementary-level students of Christ. They were often ambitious and contentious among themselves. But when they had received the Spirit, what different men they were, how they grew. Would you believe that the Peter of the Gospels is the same man as the Peter of Acts? Can you believe that? And yet he was the same man. Pentecost had developed in him new powers. One dark night before Calvary, it was Peter who said, I don't know the man. But then just a few weeks later, we see him standing up in the midst of of Parthians and, and Medes and Elamites, preaching Christ boldly. What a change. What a change. Christ had touched him. The Spirit of God had filled him. And he was a different man. He grew tremendously. Wouldn't you say Jesus imparted to him the abundant life? By far. By far. By the way, is there someone here who who could someday... Pray like Elijah. Or follow the providences of God like like Abraham. Could God take one of us and grow us into a mighty person? Working for Him. Fulfilling some special assignment God has in mind. Or some purpose God can use us for. The abundant life includes healing, but it also includes growth. How can we be satisfied with immaturity? How can we be satisfied with mediocrity? Jesus is the door to that abundant life that includes spiritual growth. We grow in divine grace. We advance in knowledge. We advance in experience and in confidence and in conformity to the image of our Lord. From babes in Christ, we advance to adolescence. And from adolescence, we become fathers and mothers in the church. Jesus would have us grow. He came not only that we might have life, but that we might have it more abundantly, and that includes our spiritual growth and development. In what ways can we grow in this new year? 2020. Can we grow in patience with one another? Can we grow in mercy? Can we grow in Bible knowledge? Can our relationships grow as we reach out to one another, seeking the good of one another? Can we grow in happiness? as we grow in wisdom, seeking and finding what really matters in life. The life of abundance is the, is the life that is, that, that is better than it once was. In which direction will we grow as the new year begins? Another sense in which we have life more abundantly Is the broadening of the sphere of our life. The broadening of the sphere of our life. This week, one of the most, uh, a passage came to mind that is one of the most inspiring passages to me. It's in the book Education. You've heard it many times, but it fits here. Education, page 18. Higher than the highest human thought can reach is God's ideal for his children. How high is that? Godliness, God-likeness is the goal to be reached. Before the student, there is opened a path of continual progress. He has an object to achieve, a standard to attain that includes everything good and pure and noble. He will advance as fast and as far as possible in every branch of true knowledge But his efforts will be directed to objects as much higher than mere selfish and temporal interests as the heavens are higher than the earth. You know, every time I read that, every time I hear that, I feel that I'm still in the kindergarten of life. I feel that this is me. This is me, and this is what God would have me to be. This is what God would have me to experience. This is what God would have me to know. Higher than the highest human thought can reach. That's the abundant life. In our house, we have a treadmill that we use for exercise. It's downstairs in the basement. We use it during these months when it's, you know, kind of rainy and windy and sometimes cold, icy. It's good to be able to exercise. Talking about best way, Uh, that's part of the plan, isn't it? The downside of a treadmill is that you can uh, you can walk 30 minutes without going anywhere, and and who wants to use a treadmill when outdoors the sun is shining? At night the stars may be out, or the moon may be full. Those are night. Those are days I don't go down to the basement and just go on the treadmill. I try to get more abundant. A more abundant experience. And who wants to miss any of our beautiful sunsets? But I would miss all of that if I choose to use the treadmill down in the basement, and, and it really is very monotonous to stare at the wall the whole time. You know, there are many, many people in our world who live lives of monotonous routine. It's like they're living their lives on a treadmill or like squirrels in a cage. There's the wheel turning. There they are running day after day, not going anywhere, not experiencing anything very wonderful, just going away by the routine. That's the only world they know. They have a life, but it is very narrow, limited to the same old, mundane, earthly things. That's not what Jesus has in mind for us, is it? Yes, He came to give us a life, but He he came to give us a quality of life that is abundant, filled with wonderful things, filled with Glorious things. In Jesus, the sphere of our lives is enlarged. He leads us beyond time and space. The grace of our pardoning Lord has set us on a rock and we live in the paradise of His salvation. What a blessed thing it is to be forgiven, to be dear to the Father's heart, to feel the warmth of His acceptance. This is a new world. For us, to live at home with God, to see His smile, to feast upon His love each day. This is the abundant life, a life of no mean dimensions. For we dwell in God and are in fellowship with infinity. We have entered into the mysteries of the invisible. His Spirit has led us into the path of truth and has shown us things the world cannot see. In this sense, too, we have life more abundantly. There is still more. The abundant life is often seen in the overflow of enjoyment. The overflow of enjoyment when you walk out by a pasture you see the little lambs hopping and skipping or you see little calves jumping and maybe you said well now there's a picture of life for you or when you go by a school playground and you see all the children out there running and skipping and you say wow look at that energy look look at that life there's life there in youth there generally is an overflow of enthusiasm and joy. So it is in a revival of religion. When churches are revived, there's life in them. And singing. And you know, as soon as Luther's Reformation came to Europe, that's when congregational singing began. The psalms were turned into music and were translated into all the languages. And people started singing in church. Along came Charles Wesley shortly after. He's the one who composed Hark! The Herald Angels Sing! And there was another composer. His name was Augustus Toplady. We know him for Rock of Ages. Clef for me, let me hide myself in thee. We sing those words. And then, then Isaac Watts, he too was a great composer, and, and we thank him for the, for the song, Joy to the World. Joy to the World. When life comes, joy comes. And when joy comes, singing comes. When the Lord gives you life, he gives you joy. What is it that makes so-and-so so happy? What's he smiling about? What makes his eyes twinkle? What could it be? Well, here's the answer. This is what we see when you not only have life, but you have it more abundantly. I read this week that the most popular class in the history of Yale University was offered in the fall of 2017 the class Psych 157 Psychology and the Good Life. That's the name of a course. Psychology and the Good Life. It was so popular One-fourth of the students have registered for it. The professor who teaches the course says she tries to teach students how to lead a happier and more satisfying life. It's basically a course on happiness. The course caught on immediately. One of the principal lessons that is taught in the course is that The things that students associate with happiness, such as getting a good grade, winning a prestigious internship, securing a good job, or winning the lottery, are totally wrong. That's not where happiness is found. But Jesus told us that, didn't he? He said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I am the door. Not your job. Not your opportunities. Not your income level. Not your education. None of those earthly advantages bring you happiness. Only Jesus, only Jesus. He's the only door to happiness, the only one. This leads us now to our conclusion. Finally, the life that is abundant is a life that we call supreme. It's supreme. It's a life that rises above every circumstance. It's a life that will never diminish or disappear. It's a life that will never fail. Christians may have such an abundant life that even though they're in poverty, they are rich. Even in sickness, they have a spiritual health. Under trial, they triumph. And even in death, they glory. It's a life that defies all situations and all circumstances because it's a life that is supreme. Nothing can beat it. Let me tell you what. If you have these five things... Could you put them back up there? Yeah. If you have these five things in your life, what more, let me ask, what more do you need? What more do you need? If you have experienced this, what is better? What can top it? What is superior? There is nothing It is the abundant life. And where can you get this life? Jesus told us. He said, enter life by him. Do not look to Christ for the beginning and then somewhere else for the ending. You become more than conquerors only through him who loved us so. May God grant that every member of this church, the Village Church, and everyone who is listening today may experience this great blessing in 2020. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your presence here today. Thank you for sharing this simple verse about the door, a door to life, a door that leads to healing, a door that results in growth. A door that broadens our minds and our thoughts and our life experiences. A door to happiness. A door to life that is supreme. Why need we go anywhere else? Why need we look anywhere else but to you? At the beginning of this year, may we all enter that door, the door of opportunity to spiritual life, a door that will help us find the way to salvation and joy and peace and security for all eternity. That life can begin today. There may be someone here today who wishes to close a door behind them. Jesus, you're that door. You're the door of life to the future. We give everything in our past to you. Thank you for dying for our sin and covering that with your blood. And now radiate us fully with your Spirit. Saturate our hearts with the life from above. And may we enjoy the warmth of your love. Receive us now as we come to you in our hearts. Revive in us this life that is heaven sent. In Jesus' name we pray.